Welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. This is episode 61. I'm Ryan Sir, along with Don Helbig. Don, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. How about you? I'm doing well, too. I uh, had a busy week, and it's uh, the weather's finally turning nice. It was hot in Florida, but you know what? I'm not even making it a secret this time, because we got a special guest, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see who it is. Don, tell us about our special guest. Well, we'd like to welcome back to the Attraction Group Podcast, Andrew Stillwell. He's from Coaster 101. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing great. And, you know, last time I was on the show, and I, I think I've achieved friend of the pod status now by appear, yeah. appearing for the second time and sending you guys hats and thank you for the plug. We should probably sell those, but we didn't. Um, Ryan, is uh, he looks like he's going to put on his Coaster 101 hat, but <laughs> I was under the impression there was a strict uniform policy for this podcast, which is why I've got my nice... I don't have the button-down Hawaiian shirt like Don is wearing, but I've got my like, you know floral print Adidas golf shirt. Um, Ryan, I, I can kind of see you. Um, bright red is not giving tropical vibes right now. What's what's the deal? Well, you know, I the the problem was that the the hat, my stylish coaster101.com hat, did not match the uh, the Italian shirts, the Italian shirts, the Hawaiian shirts that I had. Uh, but thank you for sending us the hat. We actually got these hats uh, months ago, and I, I think we mentioned them on this show, but I, I don't think I had the opportunity to to thank you for sending it to me. I was going to wear mine, but I didn't want it to mess up my hair. Hey. <laughs> That's you true. You know, I don't, it's not going to, it doesn't really match with the Italian shirts or the Hawaiian shirts. So I, I appreciate you, you wearing it. You, you don't have to wear it over your headphones the whole show if you don't want to. Oh, but I want so, to. You've guilted me into oh. it for not wearing a Hawaiian shirt today. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it, that's that's a you choice at this point. It is. It's don't you should sleep fine tonight knowing this. Hey, uh, so for those of you who are watching on YouTube, welcome. If you prefer the audio version, we're available on all your favorite podcast apps: Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. Uh, if you're listening, well, welcome as well. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at uh, search for the Attractions Group podcast. Uh, we actually do a live feed. It's not just like a still image with us talking over it. Uh, and if you want to follow us on Twitter slash X, we're at Attractions underscore GRP. All right. So, you know, for the listeners that aren't familiar with Coaster 101 I, that didn't listen to the last episode for some reason, can you give us the rundown of what you guys do? Yeah, I uh, I like to tell people we cover the the EWS of the uh, of the amusement park roller coasters and the whole industry. So that's reviews, news, interviews. There are probably other words that end in EWS that I'm not thinking of right now. Um, but yeah, we're we're your a you know your neighborhood friendly amusement park blog. Uh, there's eight of us on the team, and we cover the news. Like I said, the news, and we interview people. We've got a podcast as well. I uh, haven't ventured into the world of video quite yet because I don't know if the internet is ready for uh, that level of content. But you know, we've got a uh, like I said, podcast website. We're on all the social medias, but yeah, we've been around 18 years at this point, uh, believe it or not. And I've been I've been with Coaster 101 for uh, 10 years. Next month. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. That's a pretty good run there, uh, Andrew. We've got the Halloween season now underway, and I believe you're going to Scarowinds this weekend. Uh, you've been there before in previous years. Uh, what what do you like about the event? I think Scarewinds. I it, first of all, it's really it, 
to me, it's done very well. And the the mazes kind of, some of the mazes stay the same. There's always, you know, a new scare zone or some new entertainment. I know this year they've got um, a daytime parade and a nighttime parade. And I think it's the first Cedar Fair Park that has that kind of, uh, what I like to call boo to you, parentheses, Carowinds version. But I love, I think anytime you can kind of put a special event like a special event bow around something at a park like Carowinds. Um, I know the live entertainment team, they work really, really hard on Scarowinds all year round. So to see their hard work pay off and the shows and the mazes and things like that, I think that's, that's really what sells me. Um, I remember walking through, let's see, this would have been 2015, 2016, something around that time. So a while ago. But I remember walking through a maze, lights on the first time, um, and I was kind of doing a little behind the scenes thing. I'm walking through a maze, lights on, no effects, no scare actors in the maze, and I was still like jumping and kind of jittery, turning around every corner. I don't necessarily do that now, uh, going through the mazes at Scarewinds because they've got, you know, I think they've got five mazes this year, um, and they they're all repeat offenders, so you kind of. I don't want to say offenders, but they're repeat appearances. Um, so you kind of know if you go through these mazes enough, you know somebody's going to pop out at this point. Somebody will drop the the window and you know pop out at you or make a loud noise, or there is a chainsaw scare actor here or a loud car noise here. Um, but I just I like to go just for the overall experience, and I'm not a huge fan of getting scared. I will, you know. I asked my fiance if she wanted to go with me this weekend. She goes, I don't like getting scared. You, you go ahead. So I'm just going to go, go Sunday, have a really good time. And, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that every year, except for two in the last uh, eight or so um, I've made it to scare ones at least once. So it's, it's turned into a little bit of a tradition. All right. So, uh, Scarewinds is, is kind of a different model from some of the other parks in which it is a separately ticketed event. What are your thoughts on that? I, having not experienced it, I mean, obviously I know Halloween Horror Nights is its own thing down in Orlando. And I admittedly, I'm not the, I know there are other folks in the kind of the theme park community who their entire identity, at least in the month of September and October, is halloween horror nights or haunts or they go you know multiple times a season i'm not like that i've only been you know scarewinds is kind of my baseline for what i know i've been to hallow scream at bush gardens williamsburg which i don't believe is a separate ticketed event the thing it's not okay so the thing that i like or don't like and i kind of had to game the system in past years is they would clear the park out which if the park closed, if Scarewind started at seven, um, they would close the park at five. They would clear it out. Um, traffic in that area for Scarewinds, especially on Friday and Saturday nights, is absurd. So my tip for people was always, if you have a season pass, was to get there at be in the park by 4.30. You could go sit out your car because they clear the park. They don't clear the parking lot. So everyone leaves. You can move your car to the front gate and be one of the first in line, not have to fight the traffic. Um, they've alleviated that issue this year with the the First in Fright program, which, side note, I love that name as a North Carolinian. Sorry to the Ohio guys in the room. Um, but I, I'm okay with it being a separate ticketed event. 
but it also to me as a pass holder it might as well just be a same ticketed event that you have to leave the park and come back for but it's to me it's all one ticket so it's all included i think there's obviously um there's value to both um you you have a double revenue stream if it's a separate ticketed event versus a show up at 10 a.m and then you can you know stay in the park through midnight like at bush gardens um but to me i i think as a season pass holder it doesn't really have that effect where it's like a, it's a huge negative for me i don't mind um you know getting there to the park in the afternoon riding a roller coaster um and then going and sitting in my car charging my phone um doing all that stuff just listening to you know whatever happened to be on the radio college football or what have you and then I would just go jump back in line at six o'clock, be among the first in the park and attack it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, uh, you know, you've done different Halloween events around, you know, the region and, you know, maybe even the country. Uh, you definitely read about a lot of different Halloween events for what you're doing with coaster one Oh one. Some of the parks, they do just the family friendly event. That's all they do. Some have uh, the blood terror and gore. That's all they do. Some try to do, a, you know, a fun daytime thing and then something, you know, more scary at night. Uh, what, what do you think for you? I mean, what, what kind of a Halloween event uh, is most enjoyable to you? Well, as a, a childless 30 something, <laughs> um, I will say the, you know, something like a tricks and treats fall fest where you're going through the uh, foam, the foam maze or the, the hay maze, the hay maze at the Cedar Fair Parks. Um, it doesn't really appeal to me. Again, I don't have a kid. I don't I'm not the type to dress up in a costume. Um, I. I would say the, the blood and guts haunt mazes all that good stuff would be kind of what I would um, appeal to with the caveat being that the crowds, and I know this has changed in recent years with um, chaperone passes and things like that. Um, the crowds, they skew younger. And for some reason there's, there's always a group of teenagers and I don't want to sound too much like a boomer or anything like that, but there's always a group of teenagers who think they're too cool. And it sometimes ruins a little bit of the experience, but it is what it is. But yeah, um, if I have to pick between family-friendly daytime, paint a pumpkin, trick-or-treating, or walking through mazes and scare zones and seeing scare actors and you know these the live shows that are kind of more adult-oriented as the adult without kids, I, I tend to lean more towards the adult-centric or pg-13 centric uh, entertainment andrew so uh, you know getting off the whole halloween thing that we've been talking about uh, you know for the past few minutes but uh there are other there's other news out there in the theme park industry and one thing that was both surprising and predicted was that uh dollywood recently announced that lightning rod would be closing uh at the end of their uh harvest festival and would be re reopening next year with a high-speed chain lift as opposed to a launch very curious as to what your thoughts are on that yeah, I um, so I actually I was like living under a rock despite being four hours from Dollywood before earlier this year. I had never ridden Lightning Rod. I I mean I'd only been to Dollywood one other time, which again, it, living in North Carolina, being as close as I am, it's kind of sacrilege at this point. But I I got to ride Lightning Rod one time because it was 
Um, it went down in the afternoon as I was next in line to board. So I will say the launch is a very enjoyable um, aspect of that ride. And, you you know, you kind of crest that hill. Everyone swears that it used to be faster or it used to just launch you straight over and you weren't slowed at the top. Everyone has their, like, lightning rod 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, whatever number we're on right now experience, like how it was RMC'd as an RMC, all these things. So if it means that the attraction is more reliable and more guests can ride it on a given day and it's got a high-speed chain lift, I, I can't think... I mean, the launch is cool. It is, it is a, It's cool, but at the end of the day... The better parts of that ride are the quad down and kind of going through the mountains with those overbank turns and all the uh, RMC glory that they've known to, been known to put into rides. And I don't, I can't think of any attraction where people are like, "Oh, the my favorite part was the lift hill." Like, <laughs> right. I, I, I just, I don't know. Yes, the launch was a novelty. It was great. It's proven itself that it's not as reliable as the park and guests would like. I'm assuming that's what they've done. And they, you know, they hear guest feedback of why is lightning rod closed? Why is lightning rod closed six years after it opened? I think it's six years, right? Somewhere around. Yeah. Why is it, why is it still having periods of downtime consistently six years after it opened? What can we do to fix that? So bravo to RMC and Hershend and Dollywood for recognizing the problem and coming up with a way to remedy it and going forward. And obviously they, um, they did it. So you can, they gave you some warning. So if you wanted to try to get to the park this fall, um, you could hope it's open. I don't know. I, again, I went once this summer and I got my one ride kind of mid morning. And thankfully I, I kind of have this love hate, relationship or have in the past with rmc as a person of a little you know rounder stature and um but i fit and that was a that was really cool to me and i was it was nervous and my i was with two of my buddies and we were uh, very i was very nervous and they kind of laughed at me in line they're like what are you worried about and they said trust me i i just i've been here before where i've been walked off the platform and this is one that i didn't want to be um, so I'll be excited to get back to Dollywood, hopefully before uh, seven years, you know, elapses, elapses. Yeah, that's the word um, between visits. And I'll, you know, be excited to ride it with this high speed chain lift. I mean, again, it's a it's a chain lift. The launch was cool. But if more people can ride this and once you get to the top of the hill, the ride is the exact same. It's, uh, you know, I think people are looking for something to complain about if they're really, really negative on the launch going away because the rest of the ride is so much better than the original launch. Yeah, I think that uh, you kind of nailed it. And what what I was telling people is the ride isn't great because of the launch. It's great because of the quad down. So that's not being affected. So yeah. who cares? You know? Right. Yeah, I agree with you too, Andrew, on that. Uh, you know, about I've been fortunate that it has been open more often than not, the times I've gone to Dollywood. So I don't have, you know, tons of rides on it. I've got 11 on it. Uh, but the, the, the launch, you know, the lift hill, that, that wasn't even any part of what I remember about the ride, you know, or what I was excited about the ride. So I don't think it's going to ruin it in any way. And, 
you know, excited to, to see, you know, what it's going to be like next year when it reopens. It'll be more reliable. And I really like the fact, you know, that Dollywood, you know, came out. They were very transparent about what they were going to do, why they were going to do it. You know, they gave everyone that opportunity uh, to plan a visit if you still wanted to write it before they had to shut it down. Uh, so I, to me, I, th- I think it's just going to be a win all the way around for the park. Yeah. And that, that transparency that you mentioned, I feel like parks and, you know, recently, and maybe I'm just hyper focused on certain parks and certain aspects and, you know, cracks and rides that happen at my home park. But I think the transparency of parks, you know, specifically this season has been really good. And that's, you know, that's the service to the, the coaster enthusiasts, but to the, you know, Joe Q public uh, GP, as it were, um, who, they don't really care if the roller coaster's open. They don't really understand why it's closed. But those of us who follow everything, you know, down to the the punctuation, um, we know we know why and we know why it's being improved. And I think the level of transparency from the park was I I was really impressed. Yeah, it's definitely come a long way. You know, about uh, just being open about it. I think you almost have to, like you said, you're going to know what what the issues are in today's world. Everyone's got a phone. Everyone, you know knows exactly how these rides operate. They can pinpoint the issues. And I just think it's great that uh, we're seeing a lot more transparency there. Uh, let's talk about another coaster that, you know, had its issues over the years. Uh, Top Thrill 2, you know, going to debut next year. What are your thoughts on that? And let's start with the teaser campaign. So the teaser campaign, I think, was really well done. Um, I think the, you know, the, I think we're going to learn more about this CP racing. And I, you know, Cedar Fair as a chain in recent years, they've put a lot more effort into creating backstories, not just for their, you know, individual rides, something like Mystic Timbers, Copperhead Strike, um, even Hang Time at Knots a little bit kind of has a, you know, a story associated with it, or at least a theme. Um, but their lands as well, stuff like Aeronautica Landing and Jungle Expedition at King's Dominion, um, they've done really, really good job at this world building. And I think this, as we learn more about CP racing and, um, you know, I think Tony tried to, to light the internet on fire by giving out magnets or the lapel pens or whatever it happened to be at, uh, coaster mania, coaster mania. That's their event. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, he knew what he was doing and it was like, here's what this is. And, this will be you know bring this back in the spring and it's like okay well let's get the people talking there's been a you know a 420 foot tower that's been sitting in that park for the better part of 18 months uh with not a lot going on and um to and you know coaster enthusiasts being coaster enthusiasts you know, we all figured it out pretty quickly and, you know, there were the no limits renderings on YouTube and here's what's going to happen. And, you know, then there were the people who were like, well, this is what's going to happen. And we are absolutely right. And they were, couldn't have been more wrong, which is hilarious to me. Um, but they, they left people guessing, which was good. And I think, um, again, the ride, as you guys mentioned, it's had its issues in the past. I never got to ride the original one. Again, being a rider of size and Cedar Point having, um, in my opinion, some shorter belts and Intamin having some shorter belts and its restraints. Again, this love-hate relationship with some of these manufacturers, I'm getting better. I'm, I'm fitting in more rides now, which is good. Um, but my couple visits to Cedar Point, I did not fit, which was a bummer. Um, but 
I'm, that doesn't mean I'm not excited. I think that's the, there's a lot of good going into this. I'm really excited to see what Zamperla does to it. Obviously you guys have had Adam Sandy on your podcast. He's been on our show a couple of times. Adam's a good dude. And he's, I mean, he's a, he's a top, he is a sales guy. I mean, that's his social media handle is a sales guy. And a part of a sales guy is being able to sell your product, um, not just to who's buying it, but to the fans of that product as well. I think Zamperla and Adam and the park are doing a fantastic job of kind of marketing this as this. It is not the name, you know, the name Top Thrill 2 to me has a little bit to be desired. I, I don't sit in the rooms and in marketing meetings and say, Hey, why don't we call it this? Um, everyone was like, it's going to be called Polaris or whatever. Just like Fury was going to be called Centurion, but it wasn't. So I think outside of the name, I'm really excited for everything coming out of uh, that ride. And I know uh, Nick from our team was at the park last weekend. And if I can throw a plug for coaster one Oh one on mm-hmm. this, he's got a really good uh, construction update video. And the size of that back reverse spike is going to be massive because it's we don't even have track going up yet, and it's already massive. So yeah, I've seen photo and videos, and you're right. Uh, you know, <laughs> massive is the right word to describe that. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so we we actually have not had uh, Adam Sandy on the show, but what Don and I have both been up close and personal with the trains that they're going to be using on the Top Drill 2 project uh, when we were at IAPA. Um, yep. And the train, I believe they will be more accommodating. Uh, they're lighter, they're, you know, less welds, all the modern stuff that people, especially like Skyline Attractions, stuff like that are going for, uh, they've got going on. So I, I think it's really exciting. I, I think it's really going to be great. So, um, you know, kind of on the same subject, you know, when, when we're talking about Top Thrill Dragster versus Top Thrill 2 and so on, a lot of times there's evolution involved in these rides. I need your take on what's a credit and what's not. So will Top Thrill um, 2 be a, be a be a new credit or is that just your same credit from Top Thrill Dragster? Okay, we're going to light the internet on fire tonight. That's what we're going to do. Um, so to me, what is a credit? It to, to me, those two, Top Thrill Dragster and Top Thrill 2, are unique credits. They are unique ride experiences. Um, it's you originally like top thrill you you shot straight up you went up that spike or not spike the top hat you went over the top hat you came down you hit the brakes that's a that's a ride experience and then top thrill too obviously you're going to launch up the spike you're going to have the swing launch to the vertical uh vertical backward spike you know I think it's it should be considered a new credit just for the sole purpose that you're going to be going backwards at 100 miles per hour. And short of a rollback on, you know, Dragster King to Ka, that's not something that happens very often. And I think, I mean, maybe the, the Superman coaster at Six Flags Magic Mountain and whatever Tower of Terror was. Those are the only really times where you go backwards at 100 miles an hour. So to me, this is, it is a new you know, you've got a new manufacturer behind it. You've got new trains. The only thing that you're kind of really reusing is that original top hat and the brake run is uh, very similar, but I think, I think it's a new one. I, to me, that, that is a new one. Yes. All right. Now let's go a little bit deeper here. Oh no. Discredits credits in general. 
So uh, let's say, um, you know, while we're on the subject of Cedar Point, um, you know, let's talk about, uh, you know, Gemini. Yeah. Is that going to be one credit or is that two credits? I think, and Don, I know, I think I know where you're going with this one because you and I might disagree on this. I think Gemini is two credits because I think the ride experience on the red side and the ride experience on the blue side are different. You have different turns that you're taking, albeit at the same time. Um, you've got those high five elements, but the layouts are, they're different. And you could remove one of the, you know, the red side to the blue side and Gemini would still be one coaster. If you were to get rid of one side entirely, there would still be another full circuit roller coaster there. So Gemini I have is two. Okay. Okay. And I, I respect everybody's opinion on that. You know, I, what they count as a credit, what they don't count as a credit. Uh, you know, I used to always tell people when they would, you know, argue with me about the racer at Kings yep. Island or I, racer 75 at Kings Dominion. And I would always say the name of the right is racer, not racers, you know, true. Or, or they would. Uh, so I would say one credit and, uh, you know, they talk about the Kennywood racer and they, some of them would say it's one, it's two, but it's a, you know, that one is a singular track. So, you yeah. know, everybody's got their own opinion about it. I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I think it's, you know, whatever you want to do. I mean, if you want to, there's no right, there's no wrong. If you want to count as a credit, great. If you don't want to count it as a credit and you want to dismiss it, great. I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think it makes anyone's, you know, better than the next person because I got this many credits. You only got this many credits. You either love rides or you don't. That's why I look at it. Well, that's that's the right way to look at it. But there are others in this community, as we both know, that they uh, they how family friendly do I need to be here? They like waving they like waving things around, and uh, um, when it comes to the number of roller coasters they've ridden, and you know there there's there's always going to be a debate. I mean, there are rides like Journey to Atlantis at Sea World, Sea World Orlando, Sea World San Diego. I think they've got one in Texas too. Is that a coaster? Maybe. I count it. The the um there are the dark rides like Haunted House at Camden Park, Don, which I knew you you oh, vis- yeah. visited recently, and uh, Devil's Den at Conneaut Lake Park or whatever is left of Conneaut Lake Park these days. Something like that, I also count as a credit because it's to me is like a a mini wild mouse where somebody just happens to catch you at the end. So you go up the hill, you you take the the gravity powered drop of eight feet or whatever it is. And you kind of go through a windy wild mouth section. So I think those are, those are interesting topics. I think another one to me that is, this pretty interesting is the incredible Hulk coaster down at Islands of adventure. Obviously there was the 1999 to 2015 version. Um, and then they tore it out rebuilt it piece by piece same layout same footers um new newer trains with onboard audio but the ride experience is the exact same so i'm i'm going to turn the the script here um have you guys both ridden both iterations of the hulk and how do you count it yeah i've ridden both what about you don i've ridden both i've ridden both and i i to me, it's the Hulk. That's what I'm saying. It's it's the exact same ride experience. Yeah, I I, I mean, you mentioned the onboard audio, and that does kind of change the the experience a little bit. But I don't think their intention was for it to be a new ride. I think it was. I mean, because right. at that point, I mean, a lot of rides have sections of track replaced. Every time you replace sections of track, is that a new credit? And, and this isn't even all the track. You can make an argument if they tore down the ride and rebuilt it, but they left the lift hill and the final break run and things like that. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. And it, you know, 
working on coaster 101 social accounts i like to have a little bit of fun with enthusiasts um don we can i can probably speak to and ryan too you know when the beast added some what three feet of track two feet two two feet of track track to break its own record there were enthusiasts in our twitter mentions or x it was twitter then so i'm gonna call it twitter who were like oh it's totally a new credit that's that's it's a new ride and it's like what what are you trying to prove you know i i i count these things because to me it's a checklist of places i've been it's not i don't do it like i know my credit count of 305 is it's not anywhere near there's the you know the guy on rcdb his name is george something or other um he they'll send him or they'll send him photos from time to time that pop up on rcdb's facebook he's got a credit count of like 8700 different roller coasters he's ridden and you know he's going to places like kazakhstan and finding the one roller coaster in kazakhstan to ride and it's like i don't i enjoy this as a hobby and like i don't I don't take any stock in credit counts. I think this is, it is something we do because we enjoy it. And I count to just kind of track where I've been. It's not like a, it 300 was a really cool milestone for me to hit because when I started at coaster 101, 10 years ago, I'd ridden something like 60, 65 roller coasters. Cause I went back and did the, you know, the metal check-in. So I'm somewhere, I was somewhere in that number. And then I just, started counting from then but you know that's like 240 roller coasters that i've ridden in the past 10 years and that encompasses a you know a global pandemic where i wasn't riding anything new for you know a year and a half so it to me roller coasters kind of give us give me and give people that chance to go places they wouldn't normally go um mm-hmm. and i can tell you I've done some ridiculous things to ride a uh, roller coaster credit. I I drove, you know, 45 minutes through the uh, fields of Eastern North Carolina to go ride Dinosaur Canyon at Deadwood, which is a steakhouse miniature golf. And they call themselves an amusement park, but it's really like a roller coaster, a little um, carousel, and then like one or two, like other very small kitty look like they were made in somebody's backyard flat rides. But there's a roller coaster there. So I've ridden it or, you know, I was doing thing like I was on a, a tour this summer for work and I ended up at sluggers and putters outside of Columbus, Ohio to ride this 1950 Herschel. Like I think it was called little dipper. Maybe could be Andrew. That was my but, first ever roller coaster when it was at Lesordsville Lake. So be careful with what you say. <laughs> I've ridden better roller coasters. <laughs> that's, that's, but I, but you know, I was I was done with work early one night. I had the uh, the rental car that we had, and I was like, okay, well, this is twenty minutes away. I'm here. I might as well do it. Or if I was in La- I was in Las Vegas on the same tour. I drove to the uh, Las Vegas Mini Grand Prix and rode the Piff the Magic Dragon coaster, and I don't think I've ever been more ashamed when because it's half a ticket to ride, but you, they don't sell half tickets. You have to buy full tickets. So it was, you know, $11, half a ticket got you a ride, which I think was two or three laps. I was the only person there. And I went up to the girl and I was like, can I ride the roller coaster, please? And she goes, sure. 
And I said, here's the ticket. You don't have to give me the other half. You can just keep it. She just, re- she was really confused. So I've done some, some questionable and kind of embarrassing and shameful things to kind of ride roller coasters and add to that credit count. And there are, again, the counting method is it's what you ever, to, whatever you make it out to be. But to me, it's part of the chase. And, you know, when you don't, you don't get to 300 without, you know, riding some duds here and there. Because there's not, I mean, I don't think there's 300 top quality roller coasters in the United States, at least in, you know, immediately, immediately come to mind. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there. And, you know, for me, it was always, you know, it was always about the fun first. And then, you know, because you enjoy it, the numbers kind of were there for that. So I wasn't necessarily going on the chase to go on the chase. It was because I was enjoying what I was doing. Uh, but the one thing, you know, that I always, you know, you, you see, you know, somebody might say, well, I know more about it than you do because I've got 800 credits to your 174. And that, that part I don't, you know, really, you know, enjoy seeing those kind of battles taking place out there, whether it's social media or, or fan sites or even in a queue line, you know, where somebody's talking about something and they're trying, you know, like they're superior because they had this many credits. You know, I, I don't think you become more knowledgeable because you rode more rides because, you know, a lot of them, it's still the same kind of thing. Or if you can't get a credit on something because it's a kid coaster, you can look at it. You know what it does. I mean, you don't have to ride it to know. Right. Uh, so those are the kind of things for me is just that it, it, when it's over the top competitive like that. Yeah. And if even if it is a kid coaster, let's let's the um the Speedy Gonzales or whatever it's called at Family Kingdom in Myrtle Beach, kids only. But you know what? You can go ride a wacky worm literally anywhere else. It's the same ride. You know, it's 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 all fun. It's it that's what at at its core, that's what roller coasters and theme parks are. It's supposed to be fun until people uh, don't want to make it fun and take it way too seriously. Exactly. Well, let's talk about having fun. And I want to switch gears here a little bit because, uh, you know, I've been looking around and going to go to a lot of parks, uh, started going to some, you know, this summer, this fall, and going to go to a lot next year. So I started looking at season passes. And there was a time when a season pass was a season pass. It was very easy to communicate, you know, by the park. Everyone that worked at the park understood what that pass was. You got in the park. There wasn't anything extra with it. Um, but now it's pretty complex as I'm looking around at different websites, different parks I want to visit. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of different tiers. There's these uh, different benefits. There's these different add-ons. Um, you know, to me, I would like to see a little clearer communication, a little bit more user-friendly options when you're looking at an app or something on what exactly you're buying on that. Um, so what do you see as the future of, of season passes in the industry? What do I see as the future or what do I wish is the future? Because those are, well, those I mean, just com- kind of both. I mean, completely different. I mean, what does it need to be? Let's just say that. I mean, what does it really need to be at the end of the day? At its core, I think a season pass needs to get you admission. It needs to get you parking and it needs to get you some level of discount. Be on food and merch. I think that at its core, that's what a season pass is. Anything else on top of that, you can pay for be it your photo pass or your all season drink or your all season locker or anything like that. I think a season pass, there should be one type of season pass. You don't need a silver and a gold or a basic and a, I don't even know what six flags is doing because they've changed the structure like eight times in the past four years. And then there was memberships and then there was season passes and then there's season passes on top of memberships and for year round parks, you'd never know when your season pass is good is it 
based on the calendar year? Is it 365 days from your first use? I think at its core, you need admission, you need parking, you need a nominal discount, which is usually just like sales tax, maybe a little bit more on food and merch. And that's what it needs to be. What is it going to be? It's going to continue to be confusing because the majority of your season pass holders, they don't want the perk that is, or they don't need the perk really that is gets into every park in the chain. It, you know, your average six flag season pass holder, if you take away the coaster enthusiast, you, you know, you have the family and the Metro Atlanta area who goes to six flags four or five times a year. They, that's what they need. They need the, the, discounts that's what they need but instead they get you know you get a discount on a souvenir cup that's 20 percent, but you can get a discount on a hot chocolate that's 15 percent. and if you want a slice of pizza you get two coupons for an extra slice of pizza and they they try to upsell you with marketing jargon and it's it's just confusing and it it was re- used to be really bad at Six Flags, I feel like, where you would buy the what I think was then known as the Six Flags Gold Pass, which got you the same benefits at every every park, you know, parking, admission, discount, which is the same, but it would cost $79 if you bought one at Six Flags Over Georgia. It would cost you $69.99 if you bought four. and But if you did that at you know, Six Flags Great Adventure, the same pass was $94.99. And then if you bought four, it was $75. It, it was so confusing as far as numbers. And I think, you know, Cedar Fair, I'm, I'm curious to see their new season pass structure as it relates to the, the Platinum Pass. But I even then, they've got a Silver Pass, which is admission. They've got Gold Pass, which is admission and parking and the holiday events and the Halloween and you know, fall and winter events. They've got the prestige pass, which is, you know, you get fast lanes and you get upgraded parking and you get all these other things. I just, I wish it was simpler, but there will always be that person, which is, you know, why they have focus groups and, you know, sales groups like that, who wants that kind of VIP experience, who wants the extra discount. They want the, the two fast lane passes every time they show up. And that's why they sell them. I mean, they wouldn't sell them if they weren't making money on them. So I think there will continue to be as much confusion as possible um, going forward. And I really wish we could just dumb it back down to a, okay, this gets you admission for the season, parking, food and beverage discounts. That's what it needs to be. And, you know, and I know even with, with Cedar Fair, there was not, there was not, you know, uniformity across the board. I know Schlitterbahn still has the Platinum Pass this year, but all the dry parks that they have, have you have to buy the Gold Pass with the all-season add-on. And, you know, if you go to Knott's, you have to buy Scary Farm on top of that. And Canada's Wonderland, I think, is the same way where you have to buy a Haunt Pass or something. I just, I think the consumer needs just cut and dry. Here's what it is. Here's flat fees across the board for anything else on top of admission parking and discounts. Absolutely. And and not 
photo pass at one park is 29 and photo pass at another park is 49. And then one park has a photo pass that's branded something differently. So it's $35 and 17 cents or something just absurd like that. Because I used to do a chart every year for coaster 101. That was, you know, this is what it's going to cost you to get your season pass at this park. And there was, you know, some similarities, obviously the all season drink plan was like 30 bucks at every park. But if you bought your all season drink plan at Canada's wonderland, it was 29 99 Canadian, which with the exchange rate, I mean, people could gain the system that way. It's, it's a screwy system. It is. But I think, I think it will continue to be screwy because people will pay for the upgrades and the, the perceived value of things that um, they don't necessarily need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to, to get back into the uh, season pass world where I have passes to different parks and looking forward to getting back out there. But yeah, I appreciate the insight there. You know, like I said, I've looked at just about, you name the chain, you know, I looked at their season passes. I looked at what the, you know, best value was going to be uh, for me, how often I would be able to get there. And uh, so I can tell you right now, I've got four uh, passes and still, you know, two or three more that I'm considering. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been a card carrying one, one park chain, but that's just because it was the convenient parks for me to get to. And that was it's it's a cedar fair platinum pass so carowinds used to be two hours and it's now about 30 minutes from may king's dominion was four hours now it's about four and a half hours so those are the parks that i would visit the most so that was where i would get it and i would always have a trip somewhere at some point throughout the year to a cedar fair park i i'm also kind of yeah when it comes to six flags for a number of reasons i know some parks are doing they're doing really good things right now and other parks are not doing as many good things. So I have never pulled the trigger on the six flags membership or pass, even though you could get it for like $4 and a cup of coffee a month or whatever it was like three or four years ago. I've never pulled the trigger and I'm, I'm wondering if I should, but I just haven't yet. Yeah. Well, Ryan and I are located and we've got, uh, I mean, just so many parks within like a 10 hour you know, driving distance of us. So it's definitely worth having a lot of different, uh, you know, options and places to go. And I'm um, somebody, I don't mind getting in a car and driving, you know, if it's eight to 10 hours, you know, I'd almost rather do that than fly. Road warrior. You know, with the amount of time. Yes. Yeah. With, with the amount of time you spend in an airport and everything. So I have no problem. And I, and I've, I've already used, um, you know, a couple of my passes already this year. So, uh, you know, looking forward to next season. Yep. All right, Andrew. So let's pivot this a little bit. And we're going to play a little game. We're going to play this or that, but this is going to be a theme park edition. So we're going to ask you between two different things and maybe a little bit of a justification um, for a couple different things. So the very first one that we have on the list is Andrew. Would you rather spend a day at a park riding every roller coaster or spend a day exploring every themed area and enjoying the shows and food? We're going to, I'm going to add a caveat saying that the, the themes, the shows and the food are not terrible by the way. So it's not just a okay. simple answer. Hey, can I have another caveat or? Yeah, why not? Bring... Sure. There are hey, no rules. Here. Have I been to this park before? No. Probably riding every roller coaster that day then. Depending on, I mean, some parks you could get through, you know, have four or five roller coasters you've done in two hours and you can explore the rest of the park. But if it's a, you know, it's a, a place that I've never been, I'm going to... I'm going to ride the coast. Got to get first. the creds, right? 
<laughs> there just, you go. All just right. don't brag about them. <laughs> Andrew, would you rather be the first person to ride a brand new record-breaking roller coaster, or would you rather have unlimited front-of-the-line passes for your favorite ride? Unlimited front-of-the-line passes for my favorite ride. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wanting in the coaster community to be first winning the bragging the rights. Bragging rights, and I'm not necessarily about that. Um, I'm just trying to think of what if I could have a, a front-of-the-line pass to any ride, what it would be. Uh, yeah, I, I would go. I would go with that. Because I'm just I'm thinking of rides that are some of my favorites, and there's a couple of dark rides on that list. Um, but if I could do something like front of the line for Velocicoaster or Fury and never have to wait, that no brainer. Yeah, that's what I'm that taking. Well. All right. Uh, would you rather visit a park on a scorching hot day and only ride the water rides, or would you rather? visit a park on a cold day and only do things like drink hot chocolate and enjoy indoor attractions. Hmm. See, that's tough. Cause I don't like water rides. Well, it sounds like it's I'm easy also, then. I also, <laughs> but I also don't like hot chocolate. So like if I could visit a park on like a, a colder day, I would just be, and I've done this before, just be comfortable, just like walking around. And again, the occasional indoor attraction or something that's open during cold. I mean, I love going to, um, you know, Carowinds and King's Dominion during Winterfest. Mm-hmm. I think the parks are really special that time of year. So, yeah, water rides not my not my cup of tea. And I also don't really like being hot. So we're we're gonna go with uh, cold. You answered correctly. All right. <laughs> Good. Andrew, would you rather eat only theme park snacks? You know, like churros, cotton candy, ice cream. For the day, or would you rather have just that one gourmet meal at a theme park restaurant? Ooh, also tough. And it, man, I, I feel like I'm coming with caveats to every question, which is problematic. But if we're talking like snacks here, so say you go to somewhere like Le Frites at Bush Gardens Williamsburg, which is like loaded fries or excavator taters at King's Dominion, same thing. Is that is that considered a snack or am I? That's a snack. That's a snack. Then yeah, we'll go we'll go with snack because you can go you can do a mix of uh savory and sweet and you can probably get some dip and dots out of the deal. Cool. All right, next one. Um would you rather visit a theme park in the middle of the night and be the only person there and being able to walk on any attraction you want or visit during a busy day and get to ride the attractions but you also get to people watch? all right i would i would pick the night option because again you you're not waiting in line you get to ride sit wherever you want i will say having walked around a an amusement park that's closed and you know kind of doing the behind the scenes things and you know they're the animatronic dinosaurs or dinosaurs alive they don't shut off Mm -hmm. So like you're you're walking in the park by yourself and you hear there's this like piercing dinosaur shriek. It's a little unnerving, but if I knew what I was getting into, I'd absolutely pick night. Mm. What about you guys? All right. For me, I am someone that part of my visit is the atmosphere. And I think, you know, the guests being in the park, that's all part of it. I like hearing the screams and just seeing everybody having a great time. So for me, 
I would rather go on that busy day, you know, when the park's, you know, hop and then just walk around the park at night and have it all to myself. As I've aged, I've hated crowds right? more and more. So, uh, night. <laughs> all right. All right. Andrew, would you rather be a character performer in a show or a ride operator for the day? Ride operator. That's that one. Now I feel like it's pretty easy because I lack the theatrical talents to be a uh, show performer. I'd be a show performer because they probably make more. <laughs> I mean, if we're if we're gonna throw salary into it, um, I'll be on the I'll be uh, Ariel on the Phantasmic uh, because she gets hazard pay because they throw the burlap sack over during the yeah. Fireworks. I was telling my uh, we saw Phantasmic a couple weeks ago. I was telling my girlfriend about how she gets a hazard pay and her performance pay because all those. Uh, pinwheels are going off and she's just covered in wet burlap to protect her while everybody else is in the bomb shelter yes all right uh so next question would you rather have the ability to skip all the lines at a theme park but never take photos or have professional photos captured every mo or uh, sorry would you rather have the ability to skip all the lines at a theme park but never take photos or have a professional photographer capture every moment but wait in all the lines. See, I, I need some middle ground on this one because I love taking photos. I'm like, I feel like the, the only person on earth I still carry around my digital camera. <laughs> that's like fits in my pocket. Um, so I, I would wait in line, but I would be the one wanting to take the photos. And it's not about necessarily capturing my moments. I just like, sitting there and finding like the cool angles to take coaster photography from. So that's, I know that's a non-answer to your question, but there's not really. I mean, it's, you know, there's photos too. It's part of the memory book. You know, when right. you put those together, you look at it online, whatever, and you know, it rekindles your day at the park. If you don't have any of that, exactly. You know, you're just, yeah. So yeah, I, I would, I would do what you're doing. Yeah. I, I've got to be the one taking them though. That's, and I will, again, I will do that normally. I'll just walk around the park and just, I will, I've been known to stand in the same spot for 25 minutes while a train cycles three or four times, just so I can get that one shot that may or may not look good in a calendar or on a, uh, a canvas print or something. I'm staring at a couple of pictures I've taken on my wall now, but yeah, I, I have to be the one taking the pictures. All right. Final question for you. Andrew, would you rather have all day dining or would you rather have all season fast lane? That's park dependent. And if we're going to, if we're going to go, if we're going to go with, let's say it's my home park, let's say it's Carowinds. I'd rather have all day dining because I, I think I've, I've been there enough where the all season fast lane is not a, it's not a huge draw for me. Like I can get a, every once in a while I get a one-off um, or a coupon or something like that. But usually when I go to the park, it's, I go on a, a Sunday or a slow day or a cloudy day when I'm not going to wait in line. Cause I'm a lot like Ryan. I just, I don't do well with crowds. <laughs> So I got to go, I'll go all day dining, but it's also park and chain dependent. I would do all season fast lane at a Six Flags park because you couldn't pay me to eat chop six all day or whatever it is. They're, they're calling their, their, uh, Panda Express knockoff now. 
Interesting. All right. Well, that was fun, I guess. <laughs> hey, um, uh, so we're going to transition to the next section. And uh, this is where I, I don't know if you've seen this. We started doing it recently, but we're uh, we take questions from Twitter slash X uh, and we answer them and uh, we'll let you hang around and get your take on this. Um, for sure. So this week's question, uh, tweeting at attractions underscore GRP is from, uh, at Mark does does Jardins does Jardins. And they asked, will Cedar point and Kings Island both get Zamperla multi-launch coasters before 2030? Well, I mean, we're halfway there, right? Does, does top thrill two count if it's a swing launch? That's a it's still a multi -launch. I, I think so too, but I'm wondering if they mean like um after this point, I would think I like somewhere over the next six years, what are we looking at i I think so i I think and it's you know maybe because i I you know I like the guy, but I think Zamperla is definitely on the upswing when it comes to um new roller coasters and i'm ex i'm interested to see what their uh what the first lightning coaster up at uh peony is going to do i'm excited to see what top thrill 2 is going to do and if they if they can if they have the technology and they can build it it to me with you know the i think it's the zero weld train and the all aluminum chassis and all the other selling points that make this thing like a maintenance darling for parks and if there's a lot of uptime, there's you know more people riding, more people coming to the park, and less maintenance costs. I I think given the state of roller coasters in the industry right now, I think there will there could absolutely be one. I don't know to what scale. It won't be a 420 foot spike on you know spike in a top hat, but I think I tell you what i would love to see would be king's island to get one of those um the the double heart model that they've got that's kind of like their version of the uh premier skyrocket 2 i think that double heart could at the right part could do really well i agree um i guess i'll, I'll put in my two cents while i'm thinking about it but uh i i, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head it's going to depend on how top thrill 2 goes uh, if Top Thrill 2 has a lot of uptime, the trains are proven, uh, their launch system is proven, uh, then yeah, the sky's the limit for Zamperla. Uh, if this is a, a flop or it, it doesn't work or it's not accommodating or people think it's uncomfortable, uh, then maybe the last we've seen of Zamperla as far as major coasters are concerned. But I mean, they know what they're doing and uh, I have full faith. Don, do you have any thoughts? Well, the question was, would yeah. both Cedar Point and Kings Island by 2030? And I don't think the window's long enough, you know, uh, for, for for both to get something like that within a you know five-year period, you know, real close to each other like that. But um, I like the idea of it, you know, absolutely with that. But I, 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 my guess would be no. By 2030, yeah, I agree. Just because Definitely. of the... But just because of how close, yeah, 2030 is just around the corner. Yeah, I guess I didn't even realize what year it was. That's yeah, problem. yeah. I mean, my thought with that is that it's, um, <laughs> is it possible? I think that we we all laid out why it is and why it may not be, depending on how things go. And we'll, we'll probably have a good idea as to, you know, what the Zamper future of Zamperla looks like by the end of, you know, next season. Um, 2030, as Don mentioned, that, that's pretty darn soon. And, you know, if... Uh, 
So assuming that Top Thrill is the multi-launch coaster that you're looking for it for, for Cedar Point, I mean, Kings Island would have to be pretty close to breaking ground at this point. I mean, it's 2023, at the end of 2023, you know, so it, it would be somewhere in the at least early planning stages at this point. So who knows? Um, cool. Awesome. Awesome. Great, great, great answer, guys. But uh, thank you. If you have any questions, we have a All pinned right. tweet at the top of our X uh, at attractions underscore GRP. So feel free to send us your theme park questions. All right, Andrew, we'd like you to stick around for the next segment, which we like to call the Ryan. pick six. All right. Yes. All right. I'll start off one. here. Uh, I do. The new Wild Adventures Christmas Wild and Bright event will debut November 18th at Wild Adventures Theme Park in Valdosta, Georgia been there it's worth checking out the holiday event will run on select nights through december 31st and feature a gingerbread village rudolph's holly jolly junction carol of the animals a lake show and more than two million lights andrew are you a fan of uh, holiday events like this i am i've i've never been to wild adventures and i know they're i think they're they're under the hershey banner like dollywood and silver dollar yes. city right Okay, so they're they're you know maybe given its location, there could be a little bit more of a a religious component to this, which I'm not against. But I think um yeah, I think Christmas events and holiday events at parks are great, especially in those kind of warmer climate parks where you know you're not going to deal with a snowstorm most of the time. And again, the lights, you know, there's usually some festive holiday food at these things. Um, it's just a different energy in the park. And I think wild adventure is smart for kind of, uh, capitalizing on the, uh, the trend here. Absolutely. All right. Uh, number two, uh, a couple has reached a major milestone at an amusement, uh, at an amusement park in Northwest Iowa, Tom and Margaret Wugazer was pronounced it that way. Cause I'm not entirely certain, uh, both retired recently celebrated riding the legend roller coaster, not to be confused at the legend of holiday world. This is at Arnold's park, uh, 1000 times this season. So that's true love. If you ask me, so Andrew, you're getting married soon. Like, are you and your wife going to try something like this? <laughs> she is uh she's not a roller coaster person we actually i took her to carolyn's one of our very first dates because i wanted to show her the cirque show and i you know i asked you know was in the, the courtship talking stage or whatever we call it these days i was like would you ride a roller coaster with me you know not really thinking anything of it and she's like yeah and i think she was she was doing that because she wanted to impress me a little bit i don't know maybe that's what my ego is telling me um so i took her on copperhead strike at carowinds which to me was like it's not super tall it's not super fast we shouldn't we shouldn't have any issues here and then i neglected to think about the jojo roll coming out of the station uh the launch into the loop with all that hang time and then the hang time on the the upside down top hat um i she was not a fan and she got off that thing and was like, Nope, never again. And that was the, the last roller coaster we rode. And that was about four years ago. So we're, uh, I have no plans to, uh, to have a uh, marathon, a coaster riding marathon in the, uh, the quadruple digits with my soon to be wife anytime soon. Well, her coaster counts at least one. We know that. <laughs> It might be like a couple more than that from when she was a kid, but yeah, there it ain't it. That's <laughs> not it. 
Yeah, that would never happen with me. I can tell you when um, I first started dating my wife, and she found out I was the person that you know she'd heard about it in the news growing up, where she was, uh, you know, Brookville, Ohio. That you know somebody had ridden the racer thousands of times, and when she found out I was that person, um, you know, she said that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so that was never going to happen with with her. You know, wanting to do that that many times, she enjoys it. You know, once or twice, like most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, she saw no logic in what I did writing it thousands of times. Don, what was your, uh, what was the most times you rode the racer in one season? In one season, 2,211 times. There you go. So this, so that was uh, 1982. So you, so 2,200 yeah, times in 1982. So you add this couple in Iowa's numbers together, they still can't even touch you. So. No, no. And those were non-consecutive rides because they didn't have fast, you know, you couldn't stay on it. You could be the only one in the station back in those days, and you still had to get out and go back through the line again because that was the rules that the park had in place. And, uh, you know, no fast lane, so I couldn't cheat the system or anything like that. So um, it was uh, 2,200 rides, getting off the ride, getting right back in line, and doing it all over again. All right, moving on. The Columbus Zoo and Aquarium has released details for its annual Boo at the Zoo Halloween events for 2023. Uh, they'll run Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays starting October 6th. Uh, the Friday nights are 5 to 8, Saturdays 10 to 8, and the Sundays are 10 to 5. Uh, guests are encouraged to wear costumes for Boo at the Zoo. You know, you think of theme parks all the time for Halloween events. You don't really think of zoos having them. Uh, but this is a really fun event, great for families. Yeah, the Columbus Zoo basically has like a uh, like a theme, don't they have like roller coasters and water park and so I've never been there, but I've always heard, you know. It's nice. Definitely check it out. You ever been there, Andrew? Yeah. Uh, I've been, I went, um, actually, where was I? I was, uh, coming home from a coaster stock at, uh, Kings Island a couple of years ago. I, uh, flew out of Columbus and I tried to, uh, grab the, the two coaster credits there. I was able to get on title twist there. I think the title twist, right? That's the there's Zamperla spinning coaster, but the wooden coaster there, whose name is escaping me, it had rained that morning and it's got the old brakes, and um, so I was unable to get on that. But I know Nick from our team on Coaster 101, he just went to the Zombezi Bay, which is their water park is Zombezi Bay at the Columbus Zoo. And he went to the Zombezi Bay, and I think they've got, you know, a couple of mazes. It's like a food festival. Um, based on what he's said and what he kind of posted on social media, I mean, it's it's pretty solid haunt for a, uh, a zoo. And I know it's been a while at this point, but we did have, I think, the general manager of Columbus Zoo on the Coaster 101 podcast kind of talking about the origins of the event and kind of how it how it's grown from the beginnings to kind of where it is now. So if you can, if you want to, after you're done listening to this and the other 60 plus episodes of the attraction group podcast, listen to those first, uh, you go back into our, our archives and find, uh, that episode with, I don't even remember his name. That's terrible of me, but yeah, it's about zombies. Well, you'd have to listen to the other 60 episodes of the attractions group podcast and then all the episodes of tower topics. And then you can listen to the coaster 101 podcast. 
that that works too. Okay. That works too. So, uh, oh, next up, so Universal files a patent for uh, facial recognition technology. So, what they're saying is that this is going to be used for the admissions process. Um, they're already gearing up to use it for the new Epic Universe, which opens in 2025, and they're planning on expanding it to the other parks. Uh, currently, and I went to Universal about a week ago. Uh, what they do is they scan your your annual pass or your ticket or whatever, and then they scan your fingerprint, uh, and that's the double verification. But part of the problem is that when you first use your ticket, you have to show an ID just to make sure that it, it matches up with you. And then after you use it and it's tied to your fingerprint, it goes back. But facial recognition might speed things up. Andrew, do you think this will just speed things up, or do you think we're going into creepy territory at this point? I don't think it's creepy. I mean, if, if you're worried about uh, Big Brother watching you at a theme park, it's it, they've been doing it for years and you just don't realize it. So maybe it's a, it's a step. And I know there was the, I think there was a lawsuit against six flags or somebody a couple of years ago from, for using the, the biometric uh, thumbprints. I think it was like six flags, great America or somebody got sued for that. And it's like, what do you, what do you want? It's, I think it will speed up. I think it will kind of eliminate the the guessing game of getting up to the uh, ticket booth. And you're like, oh, did I use my right index finger? Did I use my left thumb? Like, I I had that issue, I think, during my most recent trip to Universal. My brother forgot what finger he used the second day we went to the park. So we had to – it took him a second, and he's like, oh, oh, yeah, I used that one. But, yeah, it's – I think there's a lot of conjecture I've seen on social media this week about that. And it's like these parks know where you are and they have eat maps and they have guest tracking and, you know, it we're we'll go to, you know, Disney, they have a RFID chip in your, on your wrist and have for years and they know your name. They know what you're spending. They know where you are. It's. I don't think it's creepy territory. I think it's. It's. You. You just know who's in your park, and I, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm naive in thinking that, but I don't think it's as nefarious as the internet makes it out. To well, me. you're also assuming that Disney doesn't have facial recognition because I've heard rumors that they do. So basically, um, with with Disney, essentially, you scan your Magic Band and then you scan your fingerprints, and my my I. Do not know this for sure, but I've heard this as a rumor is they all use facial technology, which records you the first time you use it. And if you were able to like mock up the fingerprint or something, which the magic band be easy, you can steal someone's magic band. But if you mocked up the fingerprint and you got in, you wouldn't get very far before security would have cost you. They're specifically looking for that sort of thing. Yeah, it's 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 been happening very quietly for years, and I don't think it's as big a deal as anybody's making it out to be. Yeah, absolutely. Don, what's next? Next, we have Wonder Woman Golden Lasso Coaster at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. It reopens on Friday. Uh, the ride has been temporarily closed uh, going back to July as part of a multi-phase refurbishment of the five-year-old coaster built by Rocky Mountain Construction, otherwise known as RMC. Um, you know, these single rail attractions, you know, coasters, they've been very popular, uh, but they all seem to have some kind of issues uh, due to those prototype trains. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not entirely certain um, what they're doing. I, I you, They're doing, didn't they get whole new trains? Is that, did you read that, Don? 
I'm not sure if that's what uh, what's going on here. I just know that uh, there's a lot of different uh, you know things that they're trying to update. I know they replaced the it, restraints but, you know, after it's about only a week. There's something more comfortable. Yeah. Andrew, what do you know about this? Yeah, so it's it's five year old coaster. Yeah, so, yeah, I I think I think with a prototypical anything, um, and it, it it goes back to our discussion about lightning rod at the you know the middle of the show. Um, I think RMC is constantly innovating and whatever they were doing five years ago, there have been technological improvements in that, um, that time frame. And this was a first of its kind coaster. It's been about five years. They've found a way to improve it. So they're going to do it. And I know, you know, Fiesta, Texas, especially in re- uh, recent years, they, they rethemed um, Poltergeist, their, their uh, premier, I think it's premier their spaghetti bowl coaster. Um, they've, gotten new trains for their boomerang they've gotten additional trains for iron rattler um there's a lot of like guest improvements that have been going on at six flags fiesta texas in which you know when i said earlier that you know some of the six flags parks are doing the right things i think at fiesta fiesta texas specifically the right things are happening because they are a park that is I'm pretty sure a 12 month of the year operation. I don't think they're full 365 yet, but they are 12 months. And if they can do things that, you know, improve their maintenance and improve their uptimes and improve the overall guest satisfaction. And even if that's shutting down a ride for, you know, three or four months while it either gets new trains or, you know, portions of the ride get retracked, those high stress areas. I think it's, only going to benefit the the guest and you know the fans going forward and that's a part i think that really does care a ton about their fans and their throughput and their satisfaction and you know not every part can say that it's in good hands with mr jeffrey siebert friend of the show 100 percent. awesome cool yeah good insight um so last one um as has mentioned in a story recently uh in a recently launched blog, Theme Parks by Dawn. Oh, that's you. That's me. Okay, I knew that. Okay, Theme Parks by Dawn. Cedar Fair is about to embark on a thrilling new adventure. On October 6, 2023, the company is set to open uh, Cedar Point Esports, an exciting expansion into the virtual world of esports and gaming. This grand uh, opening marks a significant turning point for Cedar Point as it ventures into the realm of competitive gaming and entertainment. Uh, esports are and will continue to be huge. I think there's no doubt about that. What, what yeah. I thought was kind of um, not I uh, I don't know if it's ironic or coincidental because I don't know the difference, but they they sold the sports complex, but they they opened an esports complex all within like three months because like the Cal Ripken company uh, owns the sports complex now. Yeah, well, two totally different type of audiences that you're attracting for those things. So, uh, I, you know, there's definitely a market for this. Uh, the demand is there. Uh, you know, I, I personally, I'm not into the, the gaming uh, things, but I know a lot of people that are. And, you know, a number of people reach out to me to say how excited they were when they saw this news, you know, happening. And, you know, it's another reason, you know, to maybe go up to Sandusky, you know, to make a, a you know, we already look at it as a destination place, so it's one more thing to do. Yeah, uh, I, it's going to be huge, Re- regardless of how you and I or even Andrew feels about it. it it's it's going to sell tickets. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Are you, are you a gamer at all? I I play. I've got my Xbox. I play. You know, Madden and FIFA and NHL. I'm a big sports mm-hmm. gamer. 
Like that's that's kind of what I do. So I'm not your your esports. I'm not playing Counter Strike or Fortnite or any of those competitive things. But I do know that esports is definitely on the the upswing of popularity. Um, and I don't think Cedar Fair would be investing in it if it wasn't, especially after selling the um, sports complex. But if we could go back to CX Six Flags Fiesta Texas. This season, they opened the E6 Gaming Lounge. I think that's what it's called. Um, same type of thing. Esports. Uh, there's like a, a lounge in there, food and beverage options. And they have it in, and it's positioned in such a way that, you know, the residents of San Antonio, a lot of them, you know, don't have access to these super computers, super gaming computers with, you know, the 4K, 8K graphics and the crazy setups and rigs like that. So I don't know the demographic data of the Sandusky area, but I think that's a it's a similar thing. And granted, this one is not in the park, but I think um, it's not in the park right no, now. No, it's it's down the road. Yeah. So I think it's 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 another another draw to get people to uh, Sandusky. And I know there is a, a business in esports tournaments. Um, you know, the company I work for has, we kind of have worked with a, a local school to do some lighting and things and kind of provide some production value to their esports tournament. So I know there's, there is some business associated with that. Again, if there wasn't a way to make money out of it, there wouldn't be people investing in it and continuing to build these like esports specific complexes. So I think it's going to be a win by Cedar Fair. Um, and I think, yeah, it's going to draw people. It's going to give people another reason to maybe extend their stay or, you know, take a half day off uh, Cedar Point or Cedar Point Shores. And it's, it's a more, it appeals to another subset of audience that Cedar Point wasn't previously reaching. Absolutely. Awesome. Fantastic insight. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show again. Um, just for the audio listeners, can you can you plug your website as well as where we, they can find you on social? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's coaster101.com. And if you're listening to this podcast and can't spell coaster, we've got other issues, but it's C-O-A-S-T-E-R uh, 101.com. We're also on all of the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash X, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, we're at Coaster101, so you can uh, find us there as well. Uh, we do have the Coaster101 podcast, which will, after I get married, presumably come back from hiatus because uh, the the unpaid projects that I work on sometimes have to take a backseat to real life every once in a while. So, uh, But we do have a 130-ish episode back catalog, some really good interviews and reviews and uh, we've done theme park drafts. We've got a, got a little bit of everything there. So again, after you've gone through the the back catalog of uh, the attraction, the attractions group podcast and tower topics and read, read every article on theme parks by Don and, you know, follow Ryan social media, follow Don social media, you know, come on over to coaster 101.com. We've we're, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of the work we do. <laughs> well, and we it's... wouldn't have you on the show if we didn't really like what you do. So yeah, coaster101.com. Uh, all the socials are at coaster101. But thank you once again, Andrew, for being on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Don, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, wrap it up for the for the week? No, just again, thanks, Andrew. And appreciate your insight that uh, you provided. 
Absolutely. And Don, we got to, we got to talk offline about Joe Mixon and fantasy football. We do. But that's a, that's another uh, conversation for another yeah. day. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, so, you know, make sure that you follow us on your favorite uh, podcast apps, Apple, Google, Spotify, et cetera, uh, Twitter at attractions underscore GRP and on YouTube by searching for the attractions group podcast. After you've done with doing all of that, you can visit themeparksbydon.com to read more insights from the man, Don Helwig himself, about uh, different aspects of the theme park business. It's just getting off the ground, so he's got some good work already. But if you want to be on, be in it from the ground up, then now's the time to hop on. And then after you're done reading all of that, you can go to coaster101.com and read just fantastic articles and videos and podcasts and everything. So, uh, Don, thanks for co-hosting with me again this week. Andrew, thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate it, guys. We'll see everybody next week.